Hello, I'm Grant Bartley from Philosophy Now magazine. You're listening to the Philosophy Now radio show, and tonight we're doing a festival of philosophy, just a bit more uh, lighter than uh, stuff that I've done before. Um, I have with me uh, some representative of London's popular uh, philosophy organisations. I have uh, Anya Steinbauer from Philosophy for All, Rick Lewis from Philosophy Now magazine, which is the magazine I work for, and Peter Worley from the Philosophy Foundation. And uh, obviously they're going to be talking a little later about what their organisations do. But first of all, I want to ask each of them the same question, Uh, starting with you, Anya. What is philosophy to you and and why is it important to you? Ah, philosophy. Philosophy is very, very important. Well, it's, um, you know, the question of what is philosophy, of course, is a philosophical question in itself. So Uh you ask me to philosophize, which is brilliant because I love doing it. Um, Philosophy basically is the exercise of uh, good reasoning and Uh it's it's always critical. So it's critical reasoning and it can and it should be applied to absolutely everything. And that's why it's so practical. Okay, is there a a particular way you can apply it to everything which marks out philosophy from just asking general questions for instance yeah i think that that makes good sense so philosophy really is, is an area that's not defined by its subject matter so physics for instance uh-huh. you know defined by what it's about uh-huh. it's about how bodies behave in time and space or something like that but uh, philosophy well as i say you can philosophize about anything and it's a particular kind of approach of course it's a number of approaches it's a pluralism but basically it means a critical approach a well-reasoned approach it's about good quality thinking okay um like give when you say good quality, I mean, that just means that you like it. Can you be a bit more exact about what you mean by good quality? Well, there are a lot of things that are meant by that, really. So um, on, on a very basic level, it means something like, well, you shouldn't contradict yourself. And you might think, uh-huh. well, that's very basic. I right. don't need a philosopher to tell me that. Right. But actually, you know, people do much more often than they think. Mm-hmm. So we've just got to pay good attention to, to what they say and how they say it. Okay. And um, maybe examining your assumptions or asking Absolutely. questions to other people. Our own and other people's, yes. Okay. Uh, Okay, Rick, what is philosophy to you and and why is it important to you? Well, yes, the the question of what philosophy is is a very difficult question, of course. Um, I think G.E. Moore, apparently... Uh, who's uh, G.E. Moore? G.E. Moore was a, was a, a philosopher in, in the early part of the 20th century. Uh-huh. He was a good friend of Bertrand Russell, right. um, major figure in, in, um, in philosophy uh, back then. And uh, he was once asked, when he was sitting in his study, what philosophy was, and he right. pointed to all the books on the shelves behind him and said, well, philosophy is what those are about, right. which is a, probably an example of an answer which is true without being particularly helpful. Let's hope he was pointing to philosophy books. <laughs> Otherwise it would have been an answer which was untrue as well as unhelpful, which okay. would have been even worse. Um, but yeah, like Anya says, uh, philosophy's one of the things about that, that defines philosophy is is not its its subject matter, but how it's done. It's, it's an activity. I think uh-huh. Wittgenstein said that. Um, and I, I think philosophy is... One of the reasons that philosophy is so difficult to define is that it's really it's any kind of systematic inquiry into the nature of, of, the, of the universe or of human life, mm-hmm. apart from all the bits that have split off to become a, a, other special subjects like physics and or psychology. Science. So and all these things have stemmed from philosophy. They, all, they all used to be branches of philosophy. They split away, and that makes it, 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 it a little bit difficult but when you look at philosophy to say, well, what links all these disparate areas? And one thing that links them is, is the fact... The, 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 the nature of the approach to, to tackling mm-hmm. such questions. Uh-huh. Which is what? Um, 
by the application of, of, of reason. You, you, can, you can also define the approach by saying what it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the experimental approach, um, which is, is used in physics and chemistry and, and other um, sciences of this kind. Yeah, and that is because um, the, the questions tackled by philosophy tend to be the ones where it's difficult to use uh, the experimental approach. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. the philosophers got anything against that. They'd use it if they could. But there's generally the questions which which philosophy tackles are ones where it's difficult to sort, sort them out by experimentation. Otherwise, the scientists would be doing it, right? Exactly. Okay. All right, Pete. What what about you? What about what is philosophy to you, and why is it important to you? Um, right. Well, again, I agree with much of what um, Rick and Anya have said, but I think it also. Um, it might be worth borrowing something from Wittgenstein again, and that I, mm. I don't think that you can um, come up with a list of necessary and f- sufficient conditions of what philosophy is, as Socrates uh-huh. would have right. liked to have done. Perhaps something more Wittgensteinian is what we need to do, something like a, a list of family resemblances. Okay, so, so let me stop you there. Wittgenstein had a theory that words, different meanings of words bear family resemblances to one another. So that you're, we're talking about the family resemblances of the meaning of philosophy, perhaps? That's right. There can, there can be a, a set of features uh-huh. that something has, um, and like um, a resemblance to a family member, you have um, similar sets of features, but you don't have all the same sets of features. No. And in fact, there's no one defining set or, or feature, which, which, um, uh, uh, but at the same time, when you see two people standing next to you who are related, you can tell that they are. And I think that if you were to put a list of things that philosophy includes, mm-hmm. um, what you're you're not looking for the, uh, an exhaustive list. What you're looking for is a list that, in some cases, you'll see this, and in some cases, you'll see that from the list happening when yeah. philosophy is happening. But I think that possibly one uh, contender as a necessary feature of philosophy might be the meta aspect. Which means? Um, well, th- I think Anya's already hit upon this when she said it's a kind of critical attitude. Uh-huh. Um, uh, and, th- you know, at the very beginning you said this question is itself a philosophical question. Um, and a meta aspect is is um, a sort of an aspect at a remove uh-huh. where something looks at itself and is critical. And I think an, uh, one way of putting it might be like this. You could sit on an aeroplane and listen to someone telling you uh, their philosophy of life for several hours and they might well refer to philosophers and they might use the language of philosophy they might use all the words that we might recognise but if they haven't exercised any critical faculties about what they're saying if they haven't reflected on what they're saying then I would argue that that's not philosophy. Okay, and you want to come, come in? There? Yes, yes, because um, Pete was actually quoting Wittgenstein and I just thought, well, Wittgenstein has, a, has another important thing to, to contribute to this question of what is philosophy, because uh-huh. he tells us that philosophy is an activity and not a theory. And okay. I think that's, that's a really important thing to, to point out. And I would also like to say on a more personal level, it's not just any kind of activity, but it's, it's the most vital, fundamental, and one of the most exciting and rewarding activities. So to me, yeah. if philosophy was a cocktail, it would be a mixture of sex on the beach and the elixir of life. Not, to me, it would be <laughs> A Molotov cocktail. Okay, <laughs> what would can be. I want to second that and say that, that mm. philosophy uh, to me has got a lot to do with dialogue. Right. Um, uh, it's a conversation. And I heard a lovely thing on the radio this evening on a program about Wittgenstein. He's really sort of oh. featuring <laughs> um, in which uh, one of the speakers on you know, Great Lives said um, that when you have a conversation with other people, it makes rhetoric. Yeah. But when you have a conversation with yourself, it makes philosophy. Okay. And I think there's a sense in which the best philosophy is the philosophy which is done uh, with a dialogue dialogue with oneself and the best kind of philosophy you have with others is where it resembles that kind of dialogue okay great um let me just throw out one question that occurs to me how if anybody can have a go at this if they can think of a good answer how do you know the difference between bad philosophy and non-philosophy 
<laughs> That's a difficult one, isn't it? Well, bad philosophy is an attempt at reasoning that fails, but, right. but uh, non-philosophy is no reasoning at all. It's just rhetoric or manipulation okay. or just appeal oh, to emotion. Okay, what's the difference like between rhetoric and reasoning? Rhetoric is just is making something sound good, and reasoning is, is actually having something to actually say. Actually really going into Yeah, giving the, reasons for, the for, 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 the, for what you wish to forward. Okay. At the risk of us all sort of saying, coming off, singing off the same hymn sheet, as it were, um, it might be worth distinguishing two kinds of philosophy as well. I think there's, there's informal philosophy and mm-hmm. formal philosophy. Right. And I think that we're probably all speaking from the point of view of formal philosophy. In other words... Uh, we're all trained in academic philosophy to some extent and we all think academically we're using reason to to be the essential feature of philosophy perhaps Mm -hmm. whereas of course for many people especially perhaps in the informal sense of the word for many people philosophy can encapsulate a huge um, uh, go beyond reason and in fact uh, some of some of the best philosophy has even challenged the hegemony of reason and it's worth mentioning that um uh, and can you can you but, reasonably but challenge reason? Can you reasonably challenge reason? That's yes, the, yes, you can. That's a that's a good philosophical question for you all to ponder. That out in radio oh, space. Oh no, Nietzsche's answer. Okay. Um, so why why is it important? Uh, who, do you want to go first, Rick? Why is it important? Um, I think it's important because of the nature of the questions which it tackles, mm, such <clears> as well. The the questions covered by philosophy include some of the most difficult and important questions we face, Mm -hmm. and some of them aren't optional questions. Um, uh, There there, there are questions which, for instance, history enthusiasts might uh, might, uh, be interested in in tackling such a what the causes of the Battle of Waterloo, um, why did it turn out that way, which are very interesting questions, but not questions which are maybe essential to to, to living a life. Whereas... uh, uh, there are some philosophical questions which are ones that we just run up against as a result of living our everyday lives and, and which are important to the living of those lives. Can you give me an example or a couple of examples? What can we know? How should we behave towards one another? Uh-huh. What happens when we die? What's the purpose of our lives? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's cool. Uh, what about you, Anya? Why is philosophy important to well, you? Well, I can give you three reasons, uh-huh. um, which, which have to do directly with the nature of philosophy. First one is, it's not fluffy. And I think that's really mm. important. So um, there, there have been thinkers, you know, Boethius, uh, for instance, a 5th century philosopher might be taken like that, who might, have, um, might make you believe that philosophy can offer you consolation. But I don't think that's the case. I think, okay, uh, sorry, Boethius wrote a book called The Consolation of Philosophy. Indeed. Um, Nietzsche described the philosopher as a dangerous explosive in the presence of which nothing is safe. And I think that is actually true. So it's, it's, not, it's not fluffy. So that means it saves you from being lulled into some sort of fluffy, uncritical slumber. Secondly, mm-hmm. which is what we all need in, in today's society, I would say. We always need it in any kind of society. Okay, good. And uh, secondly, you know, it's, it is difficult. You know, you've got to want to think. I think everybody can do it, but you've got to want to think. That, that, that's, that's for sure. And there never are any easy answers. Sometimes they're simple ones, but not easy ones. So, so you know, that's, that's important. And once you engage in it, what this means is you're no longer satisfied with low-level explanations. Right. You're going to go for high-level explanations. And thirdly, well, even once you find an answer, a philosophical answer... It will generate more philosophical questions, so it's sort of a self-generating uh, exercise, and, and it's in, in itself very, very compelling. Okay. Does it, does it actually change people's lives, do you think? Yes. To, um, Thinking change people, changes people's uh-huh. lives. When, when, when we change our beliefs, and we sometimes have to, on the grounds of good reasoning, that changes our lives. Okay. And I would even say, personally, a good philosophy to me is one that actually changes me a bit. Okay, good. Uh, what about you, Peter? What, why is philosophy important to you? Um, well, I think that 
philosophy is dedicated to the analysis and study of thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, but more than thinking, it's the structure of thought itself, which underpins every discipline yeah. and everything we do. Right. So if we've got a discipline which is dedicated to the structures of thought, then it seems to me that that subject is incredibly important. So it's providing the foundations for everything else we think. In, in this. I think foundations is a good word. Okay, because you're from the Philosophy Foundation. That's right. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, finally, in this section, uh, I want to ask you how each, how did you get into it? Uh, so, uh, Pete, do you want to start? How did you get into doing philosophy, or why did you get into doing philosophy? Well, I think, f- as with many people, it began by asking um, fundamental questions from, I think, probably from a religious point of view as a young, right. as a young person. Like, is there a God and such All like that? All that sort of stuff, yeah. I got very involved in those sorts of debates. Um, I, think my, I think my dad was interested in those sorts of questions. And so, naturally, I became interested in them as well. Um, and that's kind of where it went. But I think there was a sense in which, um, dare I say it, there's a sense in which I felt that philosophy offered some sort of salvation right. um, in that it kind of started to provide some of the answers or, or perhaps answers is the wrong word but it provided some of the means with which to approach some of the problems that I felt that religions for instance were not doing for me at that time. Okay, do you think it's uh, fulfilled its earlier promise to you? Well as I say I, I was careful there not to suggest that it made any promises. Right, okay. And I think that's one of the key things to learn. Earlier hopes in. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it, it, it did, um, yes I mean it, it helps to clarify, I think you can you can get a better more reasoned outlook uh, you get some sort of balance between your reason and your emotions, I think those sorts of things perhaps more psychological points are benefits from doing philosophy so perhaps I got into what I was doing because I thought that if this could help me then perhaps this sort of thing can help others too Okay, that's very altruistic of you Okay, Rick, how, did, how and why did you get into philosophy? Oh, okay um, <clears throat> Well, the kinds of questions I was interested in when I was growing up really led me into physics uh-huh. rather than philosophy, in fact we didn't do philosophy in my school. I didn't really have a clear idea of what philosophy was at that mm-hmm. point. So I was studying um, physics, which is a subject I greatly enjoyed. And as a kind of liberal studies option, when I was studying physics in Manchester, uh, there was uh, philosophy of science was offered. And okay. That was my first <clears throat> exposure to formal philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> later on, I, be- I worked in physics. And um, perhaps because I didn't have a religious faith, um, I gradually became very um, interested and worried by questions to do with life's meaning. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay. Um, 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 I remember one possible catalyst for that was uh, not long after I, I started working for BT Laboratories as a, a physicist, uh, one of my colleagues took me to the retirement party of uh, uh, somebody that he knew there who was just leaving after 35 years working for the company. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I, I, I didn't know the, the guy who was retiring at all, but uh, somehow during the course of uh, the long afternoon in the pub, uh, we got uh, talking, and um, he felt the need to sort of unburden himself to the stranger, me, and... Um, said that he really thought that he'd wasted his life, which I thought, as an impressionable 22-year-old, was a very, very sad thing mm-hmm. um, to get to the end of a long career doing something and think that it was a waste of time. I don't know if he, he, he still 
felt that way. It later, might have been like myself. ten pints talking. Or it something could have like. been. It right. could have just been a passing move, but it, it had an effect on me. It right. made me think about, well, you know, this this seems like a terrible thing. If you've just got one life, you don't want to waste it. You you want to get it right. So what what can we do now? I thought as a twenty two year old to ensure that when I'm retiring, or when I'm um, um, you know in my in my eighties or nineties or whatever, if I get that far, then then um, what can I do now to ensure that I don't feel then that my life has been wasted? And so then this led me into questions about you know well what is life for and 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 how can you how can you lead a good life? Uh-huh. So um, deeper into the labyrinth we go. Yep. Okay, Anya, what about you? How did you get into philosophy? Well, um, but like Peter, I mean, I've been interested in, in philosophical questions uh, for, for, you know, since I was a child. And uh, again, it was sort of in a religious context that mainly, you know, debated ethics and so on. Um, at school, that, that was in Germany, we were given a choice between um, religious studies and philosophy. And... Um, well, none of us really knew what philosophy was, so mm-hmm. I chose religious studies, and then um, I heard from the others who had chosen philosophy that they had to write essays about things like, why is red not a prime number? And, and I thought, oh, I'm so glad I went for the religious studies, at least <laughs> I know what that's about. Um, then I really came um, back into touch with philosophy much later on, when I was at university. I studied uh, Sinology, which I'm sure you all know is Chinese studies. Mm-hmm. And uh, for that, I went to Taiwan uh, for a couple of years and studied at university there. And uh, reading Chinese meant reading the Chinese classics. And uh, they were the classical philosophers, those okay. great philosophers, Confucius, Mencius, Xunzi, and especially Zhuangzi, absolutely outstanding philosophers. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. I wonder oh. whether there's something like that in the West as well. Yeah, okay. So I came back and, and I found out. And uh, many years later, I completed my PhD on contemporary Chinese philosophy. But that time with a degree in Western philosophy under my belt as well, and uh, I've never left philosophy. Brilliant. Okay, are we going into a song now? And this is a a song by a a band that was set up at the LSC called The Critique of Pure Rhythm, and the first song uh, we're going to hear is called There Ain't No Possible World. Saw you there at the Logic Lecture I knew I just had to get you There There ain't no possible world in which I want There ain't no possible world in which I don't It was all if B then Q But all I saw was if it's me then it's you Well, there ain't no possible world in which we want There ain't no possible world in which we don't False, but everything else was real And man, you know I couldn't wait to feel Unconditional conjunction On my mind And you're gonna be mine In every two-day line Yeah, you're gonna be mine In every two-day line
from Philosophy Now magazine. You're listening to the Philosophy Now radio show. I have with me Anya Steinbauer from uh, Philosophy for All, Rick Lewis from my magazine Philosophy Now, and uh, Pete Worley from the Philosophy Foundation. And we're going to be... We've asked them, I've asked them what philosophy is to them, and now we're just going to talk a bit about their individual organisations. So, um... So for, who wants to start? What What is your organisation? Pete, what is your organisation? Philosophy Foundation, which is uh, which was formerly the Philosophy Shop, um, maybe known to many people with that name, um, was set up to try to, well, first of all, just to sort of broadly get philosophy out into the community. That was our first sort of right. premise. And it still, still is. To, to popularise philosophy. Perhaps. Yes, that's right. And to sort of reach out to people, I suppose, with mm-hmm. philosophy. But um, we found that what it's ended up being mostly about is education. And we've, um, we work mainly in primary schools, sure. but in any kind of education setting. Um, doing philosophy with teachers, with children, particularly with children. Um, and and that's kind of the basis of... of okay, the so some of the um, people who listen to the podcast, they might... Ha- you can also listen to a podcast where Pete sort of demonstrates live on air what he does with with the kids. Um, so, um, so why why did you want to particularly get into teaching uh, children philosophy? Good question. I think, um, I think it began with... Uh, I was already working in schools as a music teacher. I used to teach guitar, mm-hmm. and I did a lot of work in groups. So we had to do this thing where the kids were working on different levels. Uh, they had to had to come up with things that they could do where they were all involved, but working in the level that they were all working at. Yeah. And each child was doing their their own thing, but the ensemble effect was something different. And I wondered if if philosophy could work in a similar way. Right. I thought if we could. Yeah, it's very difficult to do philosophy with one child. I think. Yeah. But when you get a group of children together, there's what you might call the ensemble effect. Um, and I think that's when philosophy starts to happen with children. And I just thought, I just thought, I thought, what would happen? So I approached a head teacher with the idea, and and she was very keen to to give it a go. And it literally started. So like you that. weren't, you you didn't really set out to sort of say, I want to teach children philosophy. You sort of mm. fell into it. Really. That's right. And um, but you you haven't tried to escape from it. So there's, there's clearly something about it that you like. Right? That's right. Yeah. So what is it about it that you really sort of dig? Uh, good question. Well, I suppose there's a sense in which. There's a kind of purity to the philosophy that you do with children. Uh-huh. What's that mean? Um, well, yeah, what do I mean by that? There's a sense in which, I, for instance, we, we work with the kids, and, and one of the things that what a, sorry, what age learn, range do you cover? Well, I work with every uh, with children from uh, nursery mm-hmm. up to A level. Okay. So um, obviously, the, what what you know, the, what you might call philosophy is very different at those two sure. ends of the spectrum, and I, th- I prefer to think of it as a kind of continuous arc. Mm-hmm. So what we do with them in nursery is kind of the beginnings of what mm-hmm. then yeah, and laying the foundations exactly you've got it um but i think the oh, what was it you asked me again um what did I why did you stick why why are you stuck with children after so many years let's say that's right yeah there was a sense in which um when you're in a department 
you see philosophy going on, but you also see lots of other things as well. Mm-hmm. And what we do with the kids is that they learn how to sort of do philosophy in a pure sense. They're not having to show off to each other how much they know, for right. instance. Yeah. So whereas in a department, there's quite a lot of... A philosophy department. You yeah, a philosophy a department, department. That's right, a philosophy department. There's a bit of showing off about what you know. and, and It's a and, bit of one-upmanship intellectually, well, yeah. To use some technical terms, going back to the dialogue thing, the children... Um, there's there's aristic dialogue and there's di- dialectic. Aristic is combative, right? And I think quite a lot of like you're so wrong, I'm right, and this is why you're wrong. Is this combative mode of, yeah, right. of okay. conversation? Whereas the children are quite good at, at, at joining in with each other and collaboratively exploring, um, I suppose, truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, that's great. Uh, yeah, but just really platonic dialogue, isn't it? Because right. because Plato said that philosophy should be conducted in an atmosphere of goodwill. So I think that's, that's right. so. Yes, and, and uh, the people of Athens ex- executed him. <laughs> no, they didn't really get the message. Yeah, he chose the wrong situation for his goodwill. Uh, okay, and, and what about yes. your organisation, Philosophy for All? What does that do? Yes, well, Philosophy for All was, was founded, well, I founded it together with uh, a couple of friends in, in 1998. Right. Uh, so we've been running since then. And and really the idea was just to provide a forum for, for anyone interested in philosophy. And that means really you spanning... Mean general the, public, yeah? No, it means spanning the, the whole spectrum from anyone just sort of generally interested in ideas to really academic philosophers uh-huh. and and that has worked very well bringing together you know all, all this this whole spectrum of people has worked out really really well we've got um, monthly lectures we call Ken's cave lectures on every first wednesday of the month and we've never missed one since mm-hmm. we started oh, in may 98 um and uh, you know we've been invite um, academic philosophers, mostly academic philosophers, to, to come along and to, to give us a talk and to, um, to be engage them in a dialogue. And on the whole, I think everybody finds it very rewarding. I mean, so there's a bit of debate involved in that, yeah. There's always debate they, they involved in talk. it, but they find it very re- rewarding as well. The idea is to just bring philosophy out of the ivory tower environment of academia into the real world. Yeah, philosophy and, of other um, people, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and, and even academic philosophers sometimes find, find it very refreshing to get sort of common sense questions from, you know, sort of mm-hmm. general thinking public rather than uh, their academic colleagues. Yeah. Um, so, so on the whole, that's, that's a very, it provides a very vibrant kind of atmosphere. Um, and so, so these events have been very popular. And then we thought, ah, what else can we do with philosophy? And we found that there are a lot of things you can, you can, you uh-huh. can do. So we have uh, f- philosophical discussions at Bishopsgate Institute. Uh, we, we also have a philosophical film club. We've got a reading group, an existentialist reading group. Um, we have philosophical walks, and uh, which basically is just, you know, walk and talk, you know, talk about uh, philosophy because since everybody's interested in philosophy. Um, and we also have a feminism forum. Okay, great. That's a lot of things, isn't it? That's a um, lot of things. Okay. Uh, where, what, where do people go if they want to find out more? Just look up. We have a website. Uh, it's www.pfalondon.org. Or you can find us on meetup.com, uh, Philosophy for All London. Okay. And, uh, well, oh, Rick, what, what about you? What made... Uh, Philosophy Now magazine, which I work for, tell tell the people a little bit about that and why you set it up. Oh, sure. Um, Philosophy Now is a magazine which appears every two months and is uh, sold from uh, ordinary uh, news agents and bookshops in uh, quite a lot of countries around the world now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the idea is basically to, to make a magazine um, which contains real good quality philosophy, but which could appeal 
to uh, everybody who's interested in ideas, not just academic philosophers, uh, although it is read uh, in a lot of universities, it's read by a lot of academic philosophers, by a lot of philosophy students, but the main idea is to, to make it appeal to the, the general intelligent public, everybody who's interested in philosophical uh, discussion and philosophical ideas. Okay, uh, so why did you, why did you do that? Why, why did you want to set this thing up? Apart from um, obviously commercial reasons. <laughs> no, actually not at the time. No, uh, um, um, uh, after I'd uh, um, gone off to study uh, uh, philosophy, um, um, mainly philosophy of mind and ethics at the University of York, I went back to my previous job as a physicist, um, and uh, there I was surrounded by uh, people who were interested in different philosophical questions, mm -hmm. I realised. Um, questions to do with animal rights, the existence of God, the nature of time, and many other questions. And, and with one or two exceptions, they, they had no uh, connection with academic philosophy. Mm -hmm. They hadn't studied it, but they were very interested in, in questions which were clearly philosophical. And I thought that they, and lots of other people like them, um, would really benefit from knowing what philosophers down the ages and right now mm -hmm. have been saying about the problems that interest them anyway. Um, so I thought, it's a pity there isn't a magazine um, which deals with such matters. I mean, there's magazines for everything else. There's magazines for yachting and golf and, and history and, and uh, metal detecting and everything. But there wasn't a magazine for philosophy. So I What, thought, you mean in Britain or I, I, in, in, in In Britain, really, because that, that was the only... Um, place where i was going into magazine you know into news agents and looking um as it turned out mm -hmm. there weren't there weren't philosophy magazines anywhere else either as far as i can tell all oh, right okay um but uh britain was what i was looking at at the time because that's where i live um so i thought i'd give it a go uh so i wrote to a lot of um, philosophy departments around the country saying hey look this is what i'm trying to do um um anyone who who wants to send us an article aimed at the general public please do so and it took a long time to get it going, but um, um, yeah, that's how we got the first issue off the ground. So originally, it was run from my from my spare bedroom, and that was twenty years ago. That was twenty years ago. Because yes. there's in you, you've got the twentieth anniversary festival coming up, which is yeah. what we're going to be talking about in the third part of uh, the, the, the situation. Um, but um, so. Sorry, Anya. What yeah, no, I, I was just saying. I mean, this this is just just amazing. I mean, Rick with philosophy now is right there at the beginning of the sort of popular philosophy movement in this country, and sort of helps it, you know, kickstart it. And um, you know, we're, we're we're all now, of course, participating in this. And by now, there's so many organisations mm -hmm. that that, uh, that that you know work in in uh, in in this this kind of context and who want to make a contribution. You know, all of us who are here, uh, but also various others. And I think um, the festival is going to bring everybody together. Okay, okay we'll talk about the festival. In a few minutes, um, but just to, to give uh, you a chance to plug yourselves, where, first, Rick, where, if people want to have a look at the magazine or its contents, what do they need to do? How the, could they the get a copy, thing, for instance? The, the, the internet age, the easiest thing is to go to our website. We've, we've got a pretty good website. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it's, it's um, uh, www.philosophynow.org. Yeah. And there's a lot of um, free articles there. And you can get a good idea of what the magazine's like. And you can listen to past podcasts of this program you as certainly well. certainly can. Okay, and Pete, uh, sorry I forgot to ask you before, but if people were interested in uh, maybe finding out more about what you do or... Where would they go? Right, um, www.philosophy-foundation.org is our current website okay. address. 
Anya? May, may I also say, um, I'm, I'm also involved in another project. I've got a great, great privilege to, to be one of the co-founders of the London School of Philosophy. Uh -huh. um, we're also involved in, in the festival and uh, we, we offer courses in, in philosophy. So, so that's www.londonschoolofphilosophy.org. Okay, that's a, a great lot of plugging there. Now we're going to go <laughs> into the next song, which is uh, by the Critique of Pure Rhythm, the LSE uh, bunch of bluesters there. This is called Structural Realism Blues. I woke up this morning, science is success of my mind. I woke up this morning, science is success of my mind. If you don't believe in miracles, you gotta be a realist of some kind. But in the middle of the night, the pessimistic induction got me. Yeah, in the middle of the night, the pessimistic induction got me. It seems a realist can't handle theory change in history. So I tossed and I turned till I thought my mind would rupture. Yeah, I tossed and I turned till I thought my mind would rupture. I say, think of Fred now, think of Maxwell Oh, my theory fits that so well You see, the equations are completely preserved So come on and give structural realism a world Metaphysics, it comes and it goes Yeah, metaphysics, it comes and it goes. But the contents in the structure, the structure, it just grows and grows. So if you want to have the very best of both worlds, yeah, if you want Grant Bartley from Philosophy Now magazine and we're talking about uh, popular philosophy in London really and I, I have with me Pete Worley from the Philosophy Foundation, Rick Lewis from Philosophy Now magazine and Anya Steinbauer from Philosophy for All and now we're going to be talking about a, a festival that Philosophy Now is putting on on Sunday at Conway Hall um, to celebrate 20 years of Philosophy Now. Um, 
So, Rick, why did you particularly feel like you wanted to put on a festival at this time to celebrate this 20 years? Well, for a few different reasons. Yeah. Um, firstly, to uh, uh, celebrate the fact that the magazine's still going after 20 years. Uh-huh. Uh, um, I, I wouldn't actually have predicted that uh, when we were starting off. In no. fact, uh, friends, In your bedroom. friends didn't. I mean, uh, um, we got to a bad issue, too. And we had a lot of people starting to subscribe. And a friend of mine called Steve Pycock said, but what are you going to do when the magazine closes? You'll have to send back everybody's money. <laughs> oh, he's right. But happily, we're still going. And um, uh, so it looks like we'll be going for a while longer. So very happy to celebrate that. That, that was one reason. Um, secondly, um, it's a, a great opportunity to, uh, um, to by putting on fir- London's first uh, philosophy festival right. to, to, to show a lot of people in London all the different ways that they are getting involved in philosophy in London by bringing together a lot of different philosophy organisations right. doing different things connected with philosophy. People can come to one place and, and see all that's going on and see what what appeals to them. Um, thirdly, to, to, to listen to some, some um, good philosophical debate and... Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and just to have some fun and it's generally to promote philosophy to people who are interested yeah okay and could you tell us a little bit about this festival and what sort of events are going on there and all kinds of events i mean just just to to, to add to what what rick has said we we just really thought you know london needs a philosophy festival you know so so we we thought this this really should be happening in a place like london a festival of ideas everybody can participate and i think in the program there's there's something for everybody well first of all let me maybe we haven't been clear where is it and when is it and that is a very good uh point it's uh, this coming sunday the 18th of december right at conway hall in central london very close to to holborn station conway hall's and Red Line Square, uh-huh. and uh, it's, it, we're taking over the whole ground floor of, of, of the hall. So we've got various various rooms and m- several events uh, running parallel. So there's something for everybody. Okay. And uh, Pete, of course, is going to be there and uh, and is going to philosophize with children. We've got four sessions for philosophizing with mm-hmm. children. We've got uh, philosophizing with, with 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 teens, and uh, of course, you know, a lot of interactive games and um, some some lectures and also some debates. Some I think are going to be very very uh, fiery debates. Okay, uh, mention tell us. A- bit about what some of the debates are that you've got featured? Well, I think uh, one of one of the more explosive debates um, it potentially uh, yeah. is a round table debate uh, that we've planned for four o'clock, which is uh, philosophy versus religion, question mark. Uh-huh. Uh, and we've got various people uh, participating in, in that. We've got uh, Dr. Anthony Carroll, who, who's uh, also um, a Jesuit, uh, John Holroyd, who's a, a religious study teacher, um, uh, Dr. Stephen Law, uh, who's also a philosophy lecturer and, and, and an atheist, uh, and Hamza Andreas Tsotsis, who is an Islamic philosopher. So, so I think that could uh, be yeah, a very that should interesting be debate. Explosive. We're going to lock the doors and, and <laughs> clean and up mess afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> okay, brilliant. Um, what, what are you doing in the festival, Pete? What's what have you? Well, we're coming. We're coming down to. Um, to do some philosophy with children right so i suppose we're the crush (laughs) (laughs) okay um so children we've got two two um uh, sessions one for children age nine to eleven what time is that and that'll be well there's one at eleven o'clock and then again at two o'clock um yeah so there's one group for nine to eleven year olds and one for five to eight year olds okay and uh what do what if people want to bring their children along? What do they need to know? Right, well, first of all, they need to get in touch with us. So to book a place, they need to email emma at thephilosophyshop.co.uk. Okay. Um, so they'll need to let us know, and because there's a, a limited number of spaces, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is, is that, of course, 
they may want to leave their children. Um, however, the very young ones to may go off to, to a lecture or something. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But with some of the young ones, they might want to stay to accompany them. Um, but what we request is that anyone who stays in the room is quiet and lets the children do the philosophizing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what about if uh, if they're turning up on the day with their children? Is there any chance of getting in then? Well, there may well be a chance but of getting in. We'll don't just leave have it to, to chance. Uh, exactly. Don't leave it to chance. Um, we'll just have to see what the situation's like. Okay. But no, we may have to. Um, I mean, is there, is there a sneak preview of what you're going to be talking about, or is that left to the day? I think they'll leave that to the day. Okay. Can I just say that all events on the day are free, also even the ones that, that have to be pre-booked, which are only the children's events, but, but there's no charge for anything. And do you need any sort of um, qualification or understanding of philosophy to come along? You've just got to be willing to think and, and, to, and, yeah. and to cooperate with everybody and having a discussion, that's all. Okay, and... Um, Rick, um, I see that you've got um, the Roger Scruton, who's a philosophy that some top philosopher that some people might have heard of, uh, doing a lecture. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yes, uh, Roger Scruton will be talking. Uh, he'll be giving a lecture on the role of philosophy in the conduct of everyday life, right. and uh, that'll be um, uh, a memorial lecture um, uh, in memory of a, um, a philosopher we used to know called uh, George Ross, okay. uh, who was a friend of Roger Scruton's and of ours. All right, and uh, you've also got um, an award ceremony. What's that about? This award ceremony. Oh well, um, this will be the uh, the first time we've given an, um, what we hope will be an annual award, mm-hmm. and um, uh, the the award will be uh, for contributions in the fight against stupidity, right? <laughs> or which we think is is a lot of what philosophy is actually about. Um, and uh, well, that can have various meanings, but. Uh, um, um, one thing about stupidity is that we're all stupid sometimes uh-huh. in, in the sense of uh, having unexamined assumptions, uh, leaping to conclusions without checking them properly, uh, getting to entrenched um, uh, habits of thought and so on. And um, one of the things about philosophy is, is, is that we, 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 we try to avoid such traps. And it's not easy, but you just have to carry on doing that. Okay. And so um, uh, we've asked uh, readers and other people to nominate who they think should uh, uh, win this uh, this award, who, who's uh, done the, the most uh, uh, recently um, to uh, to to help us all fight against stupidity. And uh, and we've got a winner, and we're going to announce who that winner is uh, at the uh, at the festival. Okay, and. Uh have you ever thought in in the future of doing a contribution to stupidity awards? <laughs> oh, I, I make such contributions all the time. Yeah, um, not the Darwin Award. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, can I also point out that there's some very young philosophers who are making a contribution sure. to, to the festival there. There's some students, philosophy students, there are six form students from St. Dunstan's College in South East London. Uh, they're going to give little presentations about their philosophical thoughts and uh, I think that's, that's very, very brave of them and, and I hope um, a lot of people sure. will support them in this. And you have like lots of little events and things going on throughout the day, so lots anybody can sort of turn up any time of the day. Absolutely, but just just turn up, and we'll provide you with with teas and coffees as well. Okay, what, where can pe- people find out about the timetable? Is there some place they can go to get the timetable if they? Uh, yeah, the the best place to go for the timetable is to go to the Philosophy Now website, and there's a page within that, which is linked <laughs> from the main page. So if you go to www.philosophynow.org, and then you'll see a link to the uh, the uh, the page for the festival. It's right at the top, and you can't miss it. 
Okay, brilliant. Um, I just want to ask, why might somebody who really doesn't know a lot about philosophy or doesn't really consider themselves a philosopher, why might, why might they want to go to this festival? Simply because it stimulates them. I mean, it's, it's just an interesting, an interesting event to come to and, and to simply think. You know, you don't need uh-huh. a background in philosophy, you don't need to be interested in philosophy. You don't have to want to know who Plato was or who Kant was. You've just got to want to think about important questions, such as we've got a speed debate event here about what is art. Okay. You know, that, that's, these are generally interesting questions. And just meet other people who are interested in thinking and have a good conversation. Uh, and okay, so to repeat, this is on uh, Conway Hall on Sunday uh, from 11 till about uh, 7 and uh, and then there's a party afterwards right. and it's absolutely free for anybody who's interested. You don't need to book except for the particular sessions with the kids, is that right? Okay, um, well finally I just want to uh, throw a little uh, question out at each of you. Uh, what is the meaning of life? <laughs> <laughs> All right, who wants to have a go first? <laughs> no one. I, go on, then. Oh, um, <laughs> oh gosh. Now, um, I would say the meaning of life has very much to do with what you put into it. Uh-huh. I think that's, that's the key thing, is that, um, you know, trying to look for an objective outside of you meaning is, the, is where the problem lies. And I think when you realise that actually the value comes from, from you and from us. So what sort of things are you looking to create to create meaning in your life? What sort of thing makes meaning in a person's life? Well, I'm kind of with Socrates on this, that yeah. um, examination, thinking, um, 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 but also on, also with Socrates on this, you know, you need to sort of let your head down occasionally and uh, have some fun. Uh-huh. But I do like the... Um, I think there's a there's he was a nice bald, wasn't he? there's a nice there's a nice story I think of Thomas Nagel who writes uh-huh. about the uh, absurdity of life uh-huh. because sometimes if there's no external meaning you feel as though life is just absurd and crazy and silly but there's one thing bear, worth bearing in mind that Nagel pointed out and that is that if um, if uh, there's if if the world is absurd then yeah. that too in itself uh, has is absurd so the idea of absurdity is itself absurd and, and if there's no meaning in the universe right then that truth that also has no doesn't matter so i think that's important and okay. worth bearing in mind if there's no meaning it doesn't matter it doesn't matter <laughs> okay so, so that leaves you free to create just meaning chill as you want yeah? exactly Okay, and yeah. Yes, I think we have to consider the possibility that there's no inherent meaning uh, to to life, and and that the world indeed or our lives indeed are absurd, which which I think makes makes sense because uh, very often we see that the world doesn't cooperate with our expectations or, or explanations of it. So um, uh, we've got to be prepared for this. But um, the the question is, you know, can, can't can't there still be some some kind of meaning? And I think a lot of people go through life and think there's something to be figured out. You know, there's some sort of mystery, some sort of miracle, some sort of puzzle that they have to to decode and, and then they, they will grasp the meaning and I don't think it's like that I'm, I would agree with Pete that it's more something that, that you bring to the world uh-huh. you know you can bring your own projects to the world and you can give meaning to the world and I think that's um, a very personal thing you know this, this can be I think answered on, on, uh, only so w- by the individual but I think also I mean to me meaning of life means um, it, it's best um, achieved by leading a life that somehow in some sense lived for others and not just for oneself. Okay, what sort of things would add meaning to life? What sort of things? Well, give you know, I think um, engaging with others, having meaningful relationships with others, meaningful dialogues, as, as we're trying to have yeah. on, on on Sunday. I think that meaningful genuinely meaning what though? This is what. Yes, well, that, that is that is that's good. Well, I mean, in in the sense that uh, you gain something from them. 
you know yeah. that that they they change you change change you in in a in a very profound way perhaps but um, mutually rather than just yes yes yeah. yes i think the idea of mutuality I, I would really say is very important yeah okay uh, Rick, what about you what do you think the meaning of life is okay well um the meaning of what is the meaning of life is obviously a crucial question that lots and lots of people worry about and uh i think the, the one of the reasons it's never been completely hammered down and settled um yeah. is that nobody uh, knows what it is <laughs> yeah but people aren't even clear what the what the question is yeah, right. because uh one, one problem is is that the word meaning itself is used in at least three different ways i mean it could mean significance you know what does this mean you could look at some hieroglyphics and say what does this mean right so the, what is the meaning of life could mean what is the the uh What's the significance of life? What does it tell us about the universe, the fact that uh-huh. we're here? Right. Um, then it, it, meaning can mean importance. It can be, you know, this means a lot to me. It means, you know, this, this is very important to me. So you could say, why is, why is life important? Why, is it, why does it matter? Like, that's what it can mean. Or, or um, meaning can be to do with purpose. You say, what's this meant for? You're asking about its purpose. So, yeah. it, you know, again, the, the question could be... What are you trying to achieve, be, sort of thing. What are you trying to achieve? What's the purpose of your life? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what are you trying to achieve in your life? <clears throat> so perhaps one of the reasons that this, this question never gets settled is that different people who are asking it are asking different questions among those three. Or sometimes they're asking two questions at the same time and they're mm-hmm. not even qu- clear about this. And... and you, you, you could, maybe there's, there's maybe you could get some objective answers about you. Know, what's the significance of life? You could deduce various mm-hmm. things from the fact of our existence and the nature of our existence. But importance, I don't know. Importance is always importance to somebody, as far as I'm concerned. And the same with purpose, perhaps. You know, you say, "What's life for?" I say, "Well, what do you want it to be for?" So I, I think I think there's a lot of choice involved. I think life can be very meaningful, uh, and is very meaningful. Um, but uh, the meaning is 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 what you you put into it yourself okay that seems to be a bit of a consensus there is a uh, mini mini talks on the meaning of life at the fo- at the philosophy festival uh what do you think the meaning of life is grand uh <laughs> oh, we're all out of time you're gonna i go. think the meaning of life is probably to learn and apply the meaning of love but i, I don't think i've got time to really expand on that <laughs> um yeah okay um Meet Grant so, at the Philosophy Festival and ask him about this. Yes, ask me that difficult question. Um, so, I'll just can I can I just get you all to to repeat the name of your organisation and the web and the web address where they can uh, find you, and hopefully I'll see a lot of you listeners at the Philosophy Now Festival on at Conway Hall on the eighteenth of December. Okay, Pete. Right, so Philosophy Foundation, um, check us out at www.philosophy-foundation.org um, and remember to contact emma at thephilosophyshop.co.uk if you want to book a place um, for, your, for your children um, at the festival. Okay, Rick? Uh, like Grant, I'm from Philosophy Now magazine. It's www.philosophynow.org. Uh, and you can go there and order a single copy or read various articles, for instance. Absolutely. And check out the timetable for the festival. Uh, Anya? For Philosophy for All events, uh, please go to www.pfalondon.org or find us on meetup.com. That's uh, Philosophy for All London. Um, also, the London School of Philosophy is www.londonschoolofphilosophy.org. Okay, thank you. You've been listening to the Philosophy Now radio show. Uh, we'll be back next year on January the 10th with I don't know what yet, but um, have a good Christmas and hopefully see some of you at the festival. <laughs>